What's going on, gentlemen? Welcome to the Man I Want to Be podcast. My name is Keaton Tucker, and I am the host of this podcast. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you and to everybody who's listening, to all your friends. Um, I was going to be doing a different episode today, but then we had some health stuff with my daughter, so we were actually up all night, and I'm pretty tired, and I woke up and remembered it's St. Patrick's Day, so I was like, I actually love St. Patrick. Let's do a quick episode to honor St. Patrick on a day when people go out, they wear green, they drink too much beer, and they argue over whether it's supposed to be St. Patty with D's or St. Patty with T's. Uh, I was actually just told that is a thing that people are arguing over right now. And one of the things that I love about St. Patrick is, um, you know, okay, let me back up because St. Patrick is awesome. Uh, my I, my heritage is mostly Irish. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've got a little bit of Welsh and something else, but most of my heritage is Irish, and I am also a follower of Jesus. I am a Christian, and so the saints and Christian history mean a lot to me, and it's funny to me. like We have a lot of holidays in the West celebrating individual single men, single men, like think about how powerful one man can be celebrating individual men and a holiday and a lot of us we don't even know the history we don't know the story we don't even know why we celebrate these people if i were to ask most people why do we celebrate saint patrick's day i bet most people would not have an answer they would know it has something to do with ireland a guy named saint patrick and that is about it i bet they couldn't even tell me when he was around when he lived anything like that but this is it saint patrick was an extraordinary Man, and he is worthy of being celebrated. It, like the St. Patrick's holiday, just because people go out and drink too much beer and uh, wear green and all that kind of stuff, he is a man worth celebrating and his story is worth knowing. And it, it can be inspiring to other men about what, what can one man do for an entire nation. And um, so I want to talk about St. Patrick today very briefly. I'm not using my normal setup because, uh, you know, we were at home and my stuff's at the office. So um, we're just talking into my phone right now. I've got a little plug-in microphone, and um, but there is a there's a book you could read. You could always read Saint Patrick's Confessions. He wrote a book about his life. But then there's a great book called How the Irish Saved Civilization, which gives a great summary of Saint Patrick and the monasteries that he set up and how they how they saved Western civilization. But Saint Patrick the Man, um, he was actually not Irish at all. Uh, he was not born in Ireland. He was actually enslaved, and he was a slave at one time, believe it or not. So, um, so let's see. Um, he is known for bringing Christianity to Ireland, even though he was a slave. And um, so he was born in Britain uh, sometime in the 4th or 5th century A.D. So you figure he, like somewhere around 300 A.D. or 400 A.D., St. Patrick was born in uh, in Britain. So he's not Irish. He's really, 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 really old. Um, before I even started researching something about St. Patrick, like years ago, I thought he would was around in like 1300s, 1400, something like that. No, he was a very early uh, Christian, very early. You could call him a one of the founders of Western Christianity. He's uh, he was around right around the same time of Augustine, um, just in different parts of the world. And his uh, I think his born his birth name was not Patrick, but it was actually Maywin Suckett. Um, 
I believe was his name, and he was later called Patrick. Um, but he was kidnapped at the age of 16 by Irish raiders, and then he was taken from his home at the age of 16, um, taken back to Ireland and made a slave. Um, now, he had grown up in a Christian household because, you know, at that time, you know, Britain had been relatively evangelized, um, but he, his faith had not become his own. But it was when he was a slave in captivity in Ireland that he uh, ended up becoming like deeply enamored with Christianity and with Jesus and with uh, God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And there were times it was, he, they would claim that he, he would pray up to 100 times per day. Uh, which is nuts. You're like, how on earth does he do that? Well, probably simple things like, thank you, Lord, for this sheep. Thank you, Lord, for this drink. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for that. that like you can do that. And that's the type of prayer. Probably very, very simple. But he developed while in captivity, a deep and abiding love for God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit drawing close. And, and through that time in slavery, and he worked as a shepherd, oddly enough, um, he was preparing for whatever God would have next for him. Um, and so one night he, uh, during his captivity, he was able to go back to um, Britain. And there he got to learn a little bit of reading, a little bit of writing and all of the other skills. And after he went back to, to Britain, he felt and he believed like there, according to the story, an angel showed up um, in his home and said, um, you are to go back to the place that enslaved you, back to Ireland, and preach the gospel. That's what that's what he's told. And so, what he did is he St. Patrick then go he gets ready. He goes to Ireland, which is a dark, dark, dark place, very pagan. They had child sacrifice at the time, so child sacrifice was still happening post Jesus. Um, very hostile to Christianity. I mean, these people had raided his hometown and enslaved him. Now he's coming back to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. So he's already forgiven the island and the people who had enslaved him, but now he's coming back to preach the gospel. And he gets, he arrives in Ireland and he immediately gets to work. And throughout his life, he spread the, to the entire island, um, the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And he converted the entire island, almost the entire island, to Christianity by himself, just by preaching. There was no imperialism. There was no political movement. There was nothing. He went and preached to people who were far from God. And they, like, almost like uh, Jonah. If you want to make a comparison, Jonah going to Nineveh, this was like him going back. Because, you know, with Jonah, when he, Nineveh, was in Assyria, and Assyria had enslaved and taken captive Israelites. That's the reason Jonah didn't want to go there, preach there. And St. Patrick did. He went back to where he had been enslaved and he preached the gospel. He even got to preach the gospel to, um, how do you say this guy's name? King Loger. My brother would know. He loves Irish history and Middle, Middle Ages history and all that. But um, he can, he got to the king of Ireland. He preached to him and he became a Christian. That's, that's like amazing um, and so with that, what you get, uh, with St. Patrick, you start getting these monasteries that start showing up because Rome is falling. Like Rome is collapsing. Rome at the time had, I mean, so it says he was born in Britain, um, which was Roman at the time. It was not English. It was Roman. And 
Rome is falling. Rome is collapsing. It is disappearing from the face. It's really going to become the Byzantine Empire and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But Rome as we know it is collapsing, which means all of the, all that is contained for Western civilization, including Christianity, is is at risk of being lost. Okay? So that, that's a problem. Everything from the Greeks, from the Romans, from the Jews, all of it is like at at stake when Rome starts falling. Okay, but St. Patrick is not aware of that at the time. So he preached the gospel, the island gets saved. They start building these monasteries because you have to build outposts of Christianity when Rome is falling. You have to build these outposts that are almost withdrawn or set in the middle of, of, of a civilization that is hostile to what you believe. So they build these monasteries. And at these monasteries, he teaches them how to read and how to write. Because he learned that when, when he went away from his, his enslavement, he went back, he learned how to read and write, and he t- starts teaching all these people, all of these monks who have converted to Christianity, how to read and write. And it is during that time they start copying all of the like manuscripts of Western civilization from Greece to Rome, everything. They just start copying and making copies and copies and copies and copies of all of these works um, that saved what was being lost as Rome fell. It saved the best of the best. We know a lot about Rome because of what was saved by the Irish. That's why uh, K- Thomas Cahill wrote that book and called it How the Irish Saved Civilization. So not only did he spread Christianity throughout the entire island of Ireland, but he also built the, had these monasteries built where his students, his monks, these followers of Jesus copied down what was left of Western civilization so that we could have it today. So he preserved the gospel. He preserved the best of the best of what we have uh, from Western civilization. And he um, it then reinvigorated uh, during the, um, what, what was that called? The, um, uh, the Renaissance. As there was, the Renaissance is almost a rediscovery of what the Western world was prior to the fall of Rome, and there was that rediscovery, and the arts came in. And a lot of that is due to the Irish, who in the dark part where things were falling, got a chance to preserve what was good. Yeah. Um, saint Patrick was not uh, recognized as a saint till over a thousand years later, but and there's um, a lot that could be said about Saint Patrick. Um, you know, apparently he was a miracle worker. Um, and all those kinds of things. But what I think is what is amazing, what's the most amazing is one, the impact of one man on an entire nation and on the course of human history. And there, there are times, man, you don't understand. It's hard to even fathom what the world would be like without one man who preached the gospel to an island that saved Western civilization. And you have like, it's, 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 I want, like, I'm going to probably spend today thinking about how one man preserved what could have been lost and how one man saved through his preaching men and women who could have been lost. I mean, they were practicing child sacrifice. How many children got their life back because one man was willing to preach the gospel? And you might wonder, is child sacrifice uh, still happening today? I think if you think hard enough and you're aware of what's happening in the world, yeah, you could say that is happening. But one man, but not just one man, one one Christian man who had a zeal for God and was submitted to his will and was willing to go 
to the worst place he could think of, the place he was enslaved, because an angel called him, because God called him through an angel to go, and he was faithful to what God asked him to do. Okay, but not only that. Um, there are people, Rome fell. You got to, okay, Rome is the empire. It's like, it's the greatest empire that has ever lived. It, depending on how you measure it, it was either around 1,000 years or 1,500 years, depending on how you measure it with the Byzantine Empire and all that stuff, um, which was just Rome moved. Greatest empire in history and influenced the Western world more than we could ever imagine. And it fell. It fell. It fell from um, internal corruption. It fell because of civil war. It fell for a lot of reasons. Overtaxation. You know, there, uh, the spread of Christianity just disem just diminished and decimated the hierarchy of, um, of power and the between rich and poor and all, all that kind of stuff. There's there's several factors as to why Rome fell. But what what we need to know is um, civilizations fall and change, um, and sometimes. It's because of, bar and with Rome, it's because barbarians saw the internal weakness and came and just decimated the place. Um, that's when Augustine wrote City of God, by the way. When civilizations fall, there are some who make it happen. They decimate it. They destroy. They go in and tear it down. And then there's others who preserve what's good for the next generation. And that's what is the, my favorite thing about St. Patrick. Some people come in and they decimate and they destroy, and they deconstruct, and they tear down without any plans to ever rebuild anything. They can't even celebrate the good. All they do is tear down, tear down, tear down, tear down, destroy, ravish, and ruin. And then there's others who are worried about the future, who are worried about posterity, who are concerned with passing along what has been the, the cumulative wisdom of the ages. They're concerned about passing it on. And so what they do is they build a way for it to be passed on later so that later it can be reinvigorated. And you and I might live in a time where we do not get to see the reinvigoration of the United States of America or the world. We may not get to see that. We are, we've, I feel like we live in a time where Rome is burning and people are, are adamantly set on destroying what is the United States of America. And it, it's cultural. And because it's cultural, you're not gonna fix it with a strong man. You're not gonna fix it with a vote. I just don't see that happening. But there's a lot of good that this country and this nation um, has brought to the world. It's an, un, it's an immeasurable amount of good. Do we have our flaws? Yeah, uh, yeah. So do you and I as individuals. As the individual goes, so goes the nation. But I think we live in a time where we can make a choice. Are we going to participate in the destruction and the downfall? Or are we going to participate in preserving what is good so that we can pass it on to the generation after us? Because there's going to be, pending Jesus's return, there is going to be generations after you and me. There are going to be children born after my kids. There are going to be people who don't think the way that we think and don't see. They're going to look on our generation the way you and I look on the generation of World War I and World War II uh, or of the slavery of the South in the 1800s. They're going to look on this with the same level of curiosity and disgust and like how on earth could human beings do such a thing? But right now there's a group, there's several people either through their active 
work or their complacency are set on destroying what is good about this country. And I think Christians, Christian men, we have an obligation to do something to preserve, not necessarily to preserve what is good about the United States. I think it starts by preaching the gospel to as many people as you possibly can. Tell people, give people some hope. Set up some outposts of Christianity in your home, um, in your church, if you, if you, if whatever church you're at, but in your home, in your workplace, wherever you are, set up some outposts of Christianity where you can um, grow to be like Jesus, be disciples of Jesus, and do what you can to preserve what is good about about our home. Because at the end of the day, civilizations change. At one time, there was the Assyrian Empire. Then there was the Syrian Empire. There was Babylon. There was Greece. There was Rome. There was Europe. There was British. There was China. There was Russia. There was France. There was the American Empire. The American... There's always a top empire, top world, top country, top nation. And they change over and over and over and over again. But we celebrate... We're actually in a couple weeks. We're going to celebrate the kingdom that has never ended. That has that has passed through all the other kingdoms. And you and I get a chance to build and preserve that kingdom and all of the good that it brings with it. And it brings a lot of good that's not directly Christian. It brings a lot of good. And we get to build and preserve. So on this St. Patty's Day, I want you to join me in remembering a man who had made a difference. He set out to preach the gospel and ended up saving Western civilization. If you set out to save Western civilization, you'll probably lose it. If you set out to preach the gospel, you'll probably gain everything. I think there is a principle about that. If you you lose your life, you find it. If you lose what you think you need to save, you actually find the exact same thing that you're looking for. So let's ponder today a man, a great man, who evangelized an island, who saved Western civilization, and who helped build the world that you and I enjoy today. And may we come to imitate him and be like him in our life. Thank you for listening to this version of the Man I Want to Be podcast. Until next time, I'm Keaton Tucker. Please leave us a review. And we will, until next time, this is the Man I Want to Be podcast.